0: Welcome to the Todd DeVos Show,
1: exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning. good afternoon, depending on where you are at here in this fine world. And, you know, titled this well, this episode, the uh, 2022 The Year of Resilience, and I really should put that as a question, is 2022 The Year of Resilience? Because a lot of stuff happened, but it seems like we're doing okay. And then I want to bring in my colleague and friend Isamar Garcia. Isamar, how are you doing this?
0: Hello, hello. I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: Are You ready for 2023?
0: I already you... got it planned out. Oh, at least for my planner, I have plans. I have goals. I've got it. I've got my 22 in review so far, and what to expect expect for 2023. So I'm ready. Are you ready?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. You know, uh, this week was a little kind of off for me. I, I actually had to get a uh, uh, what do you call that? A root canal. So that was fun yeah yep yeah fun yeah being sarcastic yeah okay wouldn't wouldn't be the word i put on there but it's like i I gotta tell everybody like if you start to have that tooth pain don't i I was like oh i'll just wait till after the holidays because i don't want to bother anybody and i'm just like uh it was miserable so uh go get go get if you have tooth pain get it checked out don't don't be like me and be a knucklehead and wait to your you know 10 on your pain scale so yeah, that was that was so yeah, that kind of put me a little bit back behind. But other than that, I think uh we're we're doing well. Got to got to clean up some stuff and finish uh doing some uh some writing. So yeah, I'm looking for a clean 2023. But, but that's what we're here to talk about. We're gonna talk about 2022 and the review. Yes. So we got a list of a few things that I think are kind of interesting and I, I'm gonna go up to not necessarily in order of any importance, but just kind of how we threw this list together. And we'll go, we'll start with Twitter. Um, it's funny when we brought Twitter up on the list, uh, you know, our, our one of our, our producer was like, Twitter, why is that important? But it is what well, is why is Twitter important? Why should we be thinking about it?
0: Why we should be thinking about Twitter is because the verif is mostly because of the verification. A lot of individuals, uh, of the public use. Twitter to get their news. And as emergency management professionals, we also use that to disseminate quick action news. Twitter has been that kind of crisis communication. um, Here's the information while we've got it uh, type of platform. So with the verifications that come along with that, that's like, yes, this is a trusted source. And we, you know, we're moving in the right direction. You can trust that what we say is verified. With Twitter and the unknown area in which it's going, subscriptions, and now we do have subscriptions, but you can also pay to be verified. Uh, There now are categories of verification, but there was just so much unknown and having to educate the public on what it means to, to have a social media account, if you're verified, you know, how to actually verify a trusted source other than just News on Twitter, you know, go to their link. Is it coming from a .gov? Or is it coming from a .org? Like, just making sure that we're informing the public uh, was a big part of the new direction Twitter's going in.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because, like, I, I follow this stuff um, you know pretty closely, obviously from a public policy perspective, and, and what does it mean, uh, you know, uh, on that on that level. <clears throat> you know, what I find interesting about the whole Twitter debate too, though, is when. And I'll put it in perspectives, not in, in actuals, right? Is that the idea that when the right side of the politics were being um, kicked off of Twitter, such as like Milo and Trump and um, well, just a whole bunch of other people like that on that level were being kicked off, the, the left was celebratory on it, right? They're like, hey, it's a private company, it's, they can do whatever they want to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then this last time around when um, Musk kicked off a bunch of, of left-leaning journalists, uh, they're like, they lost their mind. And it I just makes me sit back and laugh a little bit at that kind of stuff going, man, I, I wish we could find people that were like, like good in the center, you know, aren't going to lose their mind when things happen either way. And this, this is not going to happen. But, you know, but it, it, it also showed a little bit of, of the divide uh, still here in, in the United States, you know, maybe even worldwide um, on what side of the political spectrum that you sit on is if you, you know, thought this was a good deal for, for Twitter or not regarding Elon Musk coming in and, 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 and buying it or not. But, you you know, it, at that point, at this point it kind of is what it is and Twitter still has, seems to be the place to go to for news. And, and I hope that Elon Musk, um, Kind of understands that part i'm sure he does he's a very smart man um kind of there's a there's
0: a new ceo coming in apparently based on i heard the- that
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i mean like that's that's the thing though with, with guys like like you know they don't necessarily want to run this stuff you know they, they they're gonna own it and play with it for a little bit but they they they're, they they're smart enough to bring in people who know what to do you know to run it so hopefully we'll see that changes but <clears throat> speaking of twitter and, and how to get news. Um Ukraine, right? Ukraine the Ukraine. I don't know why I say that. I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody. Ukraine, um and the the war that happened there. And I have a little personal uh take on this because I have a good friend of mine who lived in well technically still does I suppose in Ukraine. Um they weren't getting the same messages as far as like the dangers of Russia, that that we were. How, what do you think about that?
0: Whoa, they weren't. No. Was it just another day?
1: Yeah, like we're getting like all this news over here about okay, you know, Russia is moving troops, and I, I would I would text him, you know, making those international phone calls are expensive, so we talk through WhatsApp or through um, through text, and I text somebody like, Hey, Aaron. Yeah this is going on. He's like, yeah, we don't see anything happening here. And, you know, I'm going to karaoke tonight. You know, it was his big <laughs> thing, him and his, and his wife. And um, so, so he's doing that stuff. I was actually coming back from Nevada um, after a conference and the news is, this is like in the evening on our time, the news is reporting missiles coming into Kiev It's five thirty his time. I'm texting him he's like oh yeah we don't see anything here it's 5:30 in the morning and I'm like dude get your stuff ready and go you know and and so he they were still kind of I said your capital's being bombed you know and they were still kind of in the in the dark literally at that point um when when this was going on so it's different it's kind of interesting to see how we were getting uh better intel than the Ukrainian people were mm-hmm. hey I, I, it's uh Brian, you're back there. What do you think about that part of it?
2: It was actually pretty funny because I was one of the guys going, dude, you're in Sumi, which is really close to the Russian border. Um, Troops have crossed. There's bombardments going on. And he sends me a picture. He's out for coffee on the street. And it's like business as usual. It was pretty interesting about what was being released here and todd you and i have had long conversations about how our media hypes things to you know incite emotion um not necessarily reporting the truth in my opinion so it was just weird to see what was going on live on the ground close to the russian border when you know over here it looks like world war three is getting ready to start well, and
1: then I think in this case the the media's kind of right on it, you know. But um, yeah, they, my my friend Aaron, he should write a book about his his whole entire thing. It's kind of crazy.
0: That's that. It's almost like you'll always get even like different perspectives. Like even if it's not the the media giving it to you, like the boots on the ground type of perspective, it'll it's different than than what's actually happening. That's so odd. I'm actually captivated right now.
1: Well, we have that here in the States though, right? I mean, think about when well, we have a storm coming down, you know, I'm talking about Buffalo blizzards here in a minute, but also the, the hurricanes in Florida and people are like, eh. <laughs> you know?
0: that's true. That's true. A lot of people are just like, okay, what kind of Buffalo storm are we talking about? It's fine. I could drive in it.
1: Yeah. And that's okay.
0: That's a good point.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Buffalo blizzards here. Um, you know, Buffalo gets hit with two blizzards. Um, this last one here has killed 37 people. Um, my my, I have family that live in Buffalo, um, in the Buffalo area, Lockport specifically, and you know, so obviously, obviously, again, I'm getting on the ground reports from from people that are doing stuff, getting texts and stuff. Uh, my my nephews, well. I guess my great nephew, he's out there or him and his high school friends are out there shoveling old people's driveways and things and coming together as a community, you know, uh, very proud of uh, Deandre for doing that. Go, go Dre. Um, you know, so that's the Lockport uh, football team, by the way, just uh, Lockport high school football team is out there doing some cool stuff. Shout out to them for, for that great job, boys. Um, you know, so you get, you get that side of the story, but then you get people who like got stuck at Target because they wanted to go Christmas shopping, thirty-seven somewhat people get stuck in Target. I'm like, you know, a storm is coming, guys. What are you doing going Christmas shopping? <laughs> and they get stuck in. Target. So I, I sometimes is it messaging like, what, what are we doing wrong when it comes to these things?
0: I it may just be public. Yeah, it might just be public education, public messaging, because I think it's uh, maybe just the 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 need or the desire to get it done quickly or have something done their own timeframe of, um, of what something will happen or when it'll happen. Maybe it it is that. So just like, okay, a storm is coming on Tuesday. Just say Monday, like start, start messaging like earlier in the week before.
1: Do, Do you think people get, um, um, you know, warning fatigue, if you will, you know, especially when Probably. it comes to hurricanes, you know, and these storms like, oh yeah, this was, was going to be a bad one last time too. And it wasn't that bad, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, in the, in this area, we have a, a flood, a localized flood warning and everyone that I've heard so far heard, I'm like, yeah, flood, flood warning. The street's right. is just going to be flooded momentarily. That's about it. And like, oh yeah, well there are sandbags, you know, go, this is the sandbag location. There's like, no need. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I,
1: I I worked, I've, you know, obviously you, everybody knows I worked in in EMS for many years and we've had lots of cars that would go through the flood areas and get swept downstream and have to do, uh, you know, rescues for autonomous stuff like this. So, yeah, people don't abide. That's the turn around, don't drown, you know, campaign yeah. we have out here. Uh, it's true, right? You know, standing water doesn't mean standing water and and uh, it does take cars down. So, yeah, people just don't pay attention to, mm-hmm. to warnings. Um, maybe it's how
0: we're categorizing them too. like, I mean, we, we did a restructuring with a warning and advisory, but maybe maybe there needs to be a full category system for everything to measure the severity. Maybe. I mean, look at
1: COVID, right? You know, I mean, COVID comes out. Um, everybody goes like, you know, 2020. Everybody goes into a panic. I shouldn't say everybody. A, a good majority of people go into a panic of it clean the shelves off of the grocery stores, never going to leave the house again. You know, everybody's wearing a mask everywhere they go, you know, um, maybe because it was mandated, but it's also, you know, people just weren't sure. And then once they felt comfortable with it, then it became like two camps, again, politically divided, right? You have the, you know, anti-vaxxers versus the vaxxers. You have the mask wears versus the non-mask wears, you know. And And then then everything in
0: between. (laughs)
1: And then, you know, public health messages were being ignored or, or, or being exploited politically on both sides of the political spectrum. I never would think that you would see a disease be politicized the way COVID has been. You know, um, I mean, I, I I've lived, you know, I'm 52 years old, so I haven't lived through like Polio, but I'm gonna say, well, we had polio shots. I don't think anybody ever was like, ah, don't get your polio shot. You know, I don't, I don't recall any of that happening until, you know, the last, you know, maybe 10, 15 years of, of people not believing in vaccines. And so, you know, is it, I, I think it goes down to the fact of, are we seeing less trust in government, right, in general? And maybe that's part of the issue that we have uh, as a nation that, you know, did government lose our trust? You know, and is that why we're seeing this?
0: It might be okay to just say, you know how the saying is like, it's okay to say you're not okay. It may be the, the same public messaging of like, it's okay to say we don't know, but here's, here's the best way we recommend going around about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's also confusion I get with the mask at the beginning when yes. you have... Don't wear a mask. You don't need to wear one. And all of a sudden, you know, two weeks later, you like, need to wear masks. Like, and,
0: whoa, forgot, nope, get your mask again.
1: <laughs> you know, and then, and, and the worst part about it is like they didn't even define what a mask was. And, you know, there's all sorts of weird issues like that. I mean, people are re- literally walking through with a t shirt around their face and they counted, you know, because you're just more covered. Right. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of messaging issues that we had specifically with COVID. And I think that's one of those things like if anybody's looking to do, uh, studies in communication. If you, you study that, this particular crisis, um, I think that's one that you'll learn a lot from. Uh, that we could, we as a as as an industry, could learn a lot from, you know. Um, and moving on from COVID again, mixed messages and stuff like this is Afghanistan. And I know you worked a little bit with with that. You want to talk about how the Afghanistan, the end of the war, if you will? Um, yeah, sure thing. How how it impacted the United States.
0: So there's a, I actually still do work with Afghanistan relief efforts, and there is a big influx of of refugees, if you will, because they, they come under different different titles. They're, they're SIVs, legal permanent residents, diff, just different status. So there, there are a lot of refugees and a lot of the organizations that have filled in the place of governmental relief our veteran uh, our veteran owned veteran ran um, partnership with civilian owned like organizations as well and there was this actually uh, the big push for the Afghan adjustment act recently where first it was trying to get pushed into the omnibus because it this was like the last chance then it, it was revoked or wasn't it didn't pass then uh, coalition members tried to, also get it into an amendment. It didn't pass. And essentially what that Afghan Adjustment Act is, is a pathway for refugees into the United States. So like, as of now, uh, if an Afghan national would want to come to the United States, they'd have to apply in person at a U.S. embassy in Kabul, which doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like, all right, what do I do? (laughs) And then their, their time is basically um, on a, it's on a timer when they, when, for those that are here, are on a timer. So it's kind of stressed uh, the legal system. It's stressed volunteers who are doing this on, on the back end. Um, it's stressed our humanitarian efforts in, in regards to uh, mass care, sheltering in uh, volunteer organizations for placement for housing, so it it actually tax, has taxed and will continue to for the next year. Hopefully, it'll get passed uh, coming into twenty twenty three. The Afghan Adjustment Act, but it's it's just weighing a lot on veterans because they're trying to to keep their promise.
1: Yeah, and here's and here's another thing that gets politicized. Um, what I mean by this is they they put. A, a bill across to relieve some of the stress on these these uh, people from afghan afghanistan <clears throat> and um, then they throw riders on it which you know the democrats do the republicans would not not vote for the riders and then they get to the point at the mean republicans for not passing that that bill and it's like let's just do i, I you know if if I could, if I could be the king of the world, <clears throat> I would just say, Hey, let's just, just do, do single issue bills. You vote on the bill. You can't add riders to it. Also other kind of stuff and, and uh, make them clean. And, but the, you know, the politicians don't want to do that. Um, you know, if anybody gets anything out of this is I, I'm, I'm anti both sides by the way. So just, uh, <clears throat> yeah, just kind of put that straightforward. Hang on a second. Excuse me. Um, yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is I, I've been working with the Afghanistan community um, for for a few years now. I started before, realistically. Um, oof, I'm trying to think. of what I started in 2008. I started working with them, and uh, through humanitarian um, efforts, uh, in, a lot through Canada. Uh, they're they're wonderful people. It's the most hospitable people that you'd ever want to meet you know it's just it's an amazing uh culture and uh to to be around and and uh yeah so i just i just really feel for, for the people that are stuck in, in this uh in this in between you know i'll tell you what they That's canada what canada did right uh you know on this is they just anybody who had relatives in canada or whatnot there just came through without any issues and Uh, They're, they're, they're actually taking care of it. And we had a lot of people in Afghanistan that uh, fought side by side with Americans. And uh, if they go back, they, they won't, uh, they're, they're, they're done. Right. So we we need to fix that issue.
0: Afghanistan also has the, the, the women's rights, the humanitarian rights, which is a a whole nother side to Afghanistan. And then the other uh, component, which kind of brings in one of our other topics is the world cup. World cup. Uh, Yep. And that was like everything. Like there's the humanitarian city, the in UAE, where a lot of Afghan nationals are currently in limbo, and that kind of seized, seized because it was in Qatar or is in Qatar. So Qatar just had the World Cup, and that is yet another topic. <laughs> I, I've been
1: there uh, in Qatar a couple times uh, actually through my through my career, and uh, it's wow. definitely an interesting place for sure uh the world cup being there i was like whoa you know um yeah there's a lot of issues associated with it and and you know what i mean they they, they tried their best to put their their, their best uh, foot forward as far as like showing the world what guitar could be about uh but i think it also opened up that uh the the window to what it is to really be in in a country like that which has a lot of restrictive rules and and whatnot, you know, so um, because the but on the other side of it, though, is the World Cup also opened the eyes for like a lot of weirdness, right? Like Morocco gets beat by France. And then the French in Paris, um, both the Moroccans, guess I guess there's well, a large Moroccan population in Paris Start rioting and burning stuff <laughs> because of the loss, and then you have the French that are protest, are running around being happy and burning stuff because they 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 won. So that that's an interesting uh, take. I, I don't understand world soccer fans, and I mean this truly, like you all win just a game, they didn't even win the championship, or you lost, a g- right? And and you and you burn the place down. I, I don't agree with burning the place down after you win a championship, but you just win a game, and you guys are. People are burning things down. So, a World Cup is definitely an interesting thing to watch. It's um, definitely
0: crowd control 101. Like that's that's where your crowd control tactics are tested. You want to you want to break a system?
1: Yeah, I, I mean the soccer fans are definitely, and, and not disparaging anybody, just it's just an observation. You know, are definitely some of the wildest fans I've ever seen in any sport. You know, uh, I mean, England has been known for having riots in the stands, and they have to have, like, extra riot police out every time they have games. It's like, man, you're going – you know, we talk about issues here, and, you know, people are making it for back to Buffalo. Are bad for Buffalo for throwing snowballs, you know, during a, during a snowy game. That's nothing compared to, to what the uh, soccer fans do. So, Or, sorry. Argentina Streets
0: Football. Fruit, Argentina fruit. streets were covered there were there were no spa- empty spaces in the yeah. center of, of Argentina I saw a photo and I was like oh my gosh what would what would you even do there How would you how it's kind of like um like Japan Japan had a Halloween um, fest, fest, festival Absolutely. I think yeah. so it was mostly for like clubbing and, and things of that nature but there was a massive uh, stampede. It actually uh, killed a few people. Many hundreds were, or at least a hundred were injured. Um, and then it was just like, that's how, how do you go about things like that where it's just complete chaos and there's human bodies everywhere. It's a lot. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. You know, we think about uh, New York city, excuse me. We think about New York city and, and how they control the millions of people that go down to Times square um, and, and they, they literally put them into cow boxes, if you will. Right. Like these, I don't know. That's the only way I can explain it. Like, you know, if you look, if you, if you ever seen a cattle farm and they put these cows in the boxes, <laughs> they do the same thing with a crowd. And then like, you, if you're in there, you're, you're not leaving. You got to pee your pants, or I guess. You know, you can't, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, but that's the only way they can control it. You know, so New York City does a good job on controlling the crowds in years. But uh I think that's like the only place I've ever really seen be that organized. Uh, but they've been doing it for, for hundreds of years, right? You know, hundreds, I guess a hundred years or whatever. When they when they start doing that, Brian. Dropping the ball. Um you know, so you got you got that going on. Um but then, you know, crowd control. Well, I mean, even with protests, you know, we go all the way back to you know, January 6th, if you will, with the stuff that's going on over there, you know, um, the protests that happen in D.C. all the time. But not only in the United States do we have crazy protests happening all over the place. I mean, if you remember the summer of 2020, um, you know, it was the summer of violence where they are burning buildings down and protests all over the place. You know, it's not just the United States that does this. It happens all over the world. And Canada has a truck driver strike. Um, they drove from British Columbia uh, and I guess from... Well, yeah, to Ottawa, and uh, and, you know, did all sorts of crazy stuff. And the government action on that was was kind of crazy. They basically, crazy, I mean, ins- insanely strict. They basically called all those truck drivers, uh, terrorists under their um, under the Canadian law and took their money, took their assets, started doing, you know, they're like, okay, you're gonna protest, we're gonna. And and,
0: I'll take that.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, Whoa, I mean, I get it. You know, it was, it was annoying. You know, people, they're making lots of noise, do all sorts of kind of stuff. But at the same time, is that, are we seeing uh, freedoms being plucked away from, from, from that, you know, and I just bring that up because it was just, it was an insane thing to see. But it was really a crazy draconian um, reaction for the Canadian government, in my my opinion.
0: I, I think there are, I think they're fighting for causes that are legitimate. I mean, even like the the rail, uh, strike, the railroad strike, that yeah, was no, coming no. down as well, and that took two times of near, actual striking, right, like a, a sure pause to all railroad commerce everywhere, because if they don't all agree, then they all strike. And that was the the biggest thing. And then some of them, and I I I will tell you, I don't know enough about this in, this topic in general. But I there was one of them, one of the topics that I read by passing. It was just like they're wanting paid sick time or paid. I think it was like paid sick time. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's that sounds like a good fair reason.
1: And, and the interesting thing is both with the truckers and with the um, with the. Trains. I, I understand why it becomes a national problem because that be- supply chain, right? You start mm-hmm. having um, the supply chain issues that are going on, and you need those guys to be working. <clears throat> um, and and I get it why why it becomes a national emergency, but at the same time, I, 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 we have to listen to you know the issues that they have, and you know I, I just feel like going through and they do the same thing here with the uh, with the trains you know, the, the government gets involved and does some sort of crazy, draconian, you know, answer to this, to this issue without listening to the the real concerns that they have. Speaking of that, um, a couple of things that we want to jump into because we're getting close to the end is we lost the queen of England. Say we, she was a, a worldwide um, uh, person who was, you know, obviously been around for for seventy years, I think seventy something years,
0: longest reigning monarch yeah. for Britain.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I'm not a, uh, a royal file, if you will. I, I could really care less about the royals. You are?
0: Oh, I'm a fan. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, but at the same time, though, I really do appreciate who she is and what she did. You know, I mean, she did more than just um, she was more than just the queen. I mean, she she did a lot of good stuff for for people. And I know that some some people are anti royal. Um, you know it's like any politics there's two sides of things, uh but yep, she was an icon um she's passed, and now we have the king of England, and I think that's a the first king um in seventy years seventy plus years it'll
0: it'll be interesting to see if any like political, international um in terms of, i guess in terms of disasters, right, any type of treaties or any type of uh, collaboration changes or it comes from that
1: you know i did learn as i learned that i always thought the king and queens of of these were just figureheads you know figures of state but i guess they have more more power than i i thought they did you know i I always thought they were just kind of eh. but uh yeah they have some definite power that i didn't realize existed um
0: talking about power
1: (laughs) yeah talk about power
0: Talking about power, North Carolina. Was it North Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina. North Carolina actually had an attack on a power station and it wiped them out for a couple days, uh, electronically, I guess. Power-wise, obviously, electricity. And that was interesting because we well, I know I was checking out their Twitter as a means of communication, like what they're what they're pushing out, and I looked I'm looking for pieces of AAR and and I think it's it's very interesting because all of our infrastructure nationally is uh, is pretty much unstable, yep. if you think about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, we had this a few years ago, and, and I know we're, cu- we're coming short on time, so we're going to have to cut this conversation pretty quickly. But um, we had this problem a few years ago. And then if you remember, uh, the answer was they put, at least here in Southern California, is they put security guards at all the substations um and then people were throwing um they were throwing acid bombs over the walls uh the we had people shooting up um up in San Jose I think it was where they shot up a a a substation so the these things aren't uncommon necessarily for the attack on these substations uh this one just actually was very successful um and they lost power to a few thousand um people so this goes in the back of the idea of of what are we doing you know as far as for our power and business continuity and continuity of, of, of being able to keep things running so well, keep shoot, that ask mind.
0: ai they might have and, the answer
1: and that's the last thing we'll talk about really quick is is ai um this is a 2022 story but i think it's going to become bigger in uh, 2023 uh with lots of ai stuff happening uh, keep an eye on that, and you know, there's some cool stuff that's going down the pipeline. You know, Disaster Tech, for instance, they have uh, an AI platform that they're using for, uh, for training uh, purposes, and so it, lots of cool stuff coming on through AI. Um, is it good? Is it bad? You know, uh, is it going to take uh, reporters out of uh, jobs? You know, because can they they can write stories, uh, and I've also seen an AI um, hologram singer who actually i think is japan um has some top like hits in the the pop charts and so more to come when it comes to to ai what's your new year's resolution i have many what's your top one
0: uh certification and Personal
1: was to visit Hawaii. All right. Brian.
0: Personal
1: and professional. Brian, what's your New Year's resolution?
2: I don't typically make resolutions. Um, I set goals, and they're all business-related, not necessarily personal life. Well, so.
1: uh, yeah, I have uh, – I'm staying there. Res- resolution, but um, um, I, I'm going to challenge everybody out there. And I think those of us that are in uh, in emergency management uh, should pick up this mantle. And I want to do a new year's resolution for the nation. And I think we should resolve to be ready. And that's what I'd like to see next year. If we could get a nationwide readiness campaign, that's successful. And that's how I see it. So until next year, everybody, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much for for spending time with us for this year. And uh, like always, please be safe. Stay hydrated.